That song fits perfectly, Kyle. Thanks for leading that one and the others. Crown him Lord of all. Sometimes I, Jerry Culberson has taught as well at the local Faulkner uh, campus in Birmingham, and um, I, and I think Jerry has taught this one as well, teach a class occasionally called The Life of Christ, and um, had students in that class. You know, you, you have students from different backgrounds, and some come from a church background and some don't. And one of the things that I've often challenge them teaching about life of Christ. It's interesting to teach about the life of Christ for eight weeks uh, to some students who don't believe in Christ at all. They're there to get humanity's credits, you know. So it's an interesting kind of experience to do that and a great love doing it. But one of the things I challenge them is what I want to challenge you this morning as well, even though most people in a room like this are, are quote unquote church people, you know. Uh, but one thing I, I challenge them is, look, for, for the purposes of this, this class that I'm teaching them, it doesn't matter what you believe about Christ. All right? You cannot believe in Jesus at all. If you do the work, you'll get the grade that you earn. Okay? So, so take that off the table for a minute. As far as the grade is concerned, it doesn't matter what you believe about Christ. But I, but I say to them, something else. And I, and I say, I, but I want you to do something apart from that. I want you to do something. I want you to think about Jesus and come to a decision about what you believe about him. Like, what, what do you believe about him? For real. Not what, you, what you've heard other people believe, not what you've seen and maybe whatever you think of when you think of Christianity. Maybe you've seen hypocrisy. Maybe you grew up in a church that was, that was filled with, with people who were hypocrites. And maybe you've seen on the news Christians acting in ways that are just ungodly and all that. I, I know that's out there. That, that happens. But, I, but I, want you to, I want you to answer this question. What do you believe about Jesus? And I want you to think about what Jesus is like and what kind of Jesus you believe in or don't believe in. So it's one of the things that I want to tell them. One of the things I want to do in this class is... I want to try to present to you the Jesus that we read about in Scripture, and I want you to make a decision about that Jesus. Because you might say, I don't believe in Jesus, and I don't believe in God, and then I ask you, well, tell me about this Jesus you don't believe in. Tell me about this God you don't believe in, because I might not believe in that Jesus either. You know, I think sometimes people turn away from Jesus, and what they're doing is they're turning, turning away from a, from a faux Jesus, from a, a Jesus they've seen out there somewhere, and, and they're not really turning away from, from the one we read about in Scripture, so I challenge them. I just want you to do that, because I think you guys, you, you, we live in a, a country where so many people claim to follow Jesus. You need to make some sort of decision about him that is informed, and that is based on real evidence and the picture that we see of Jesus that comes forth in these early narratives about him. So I challenge them to do that, and I want to challenge you as well. Maybe folks joining us online this morning. Make a decision about Jesus based on who he is, not what you've heard him to be, not what maybe even you've seen him to be in some folks who wear his name. Because this matters. This matters. You may, at the end of the day, you may consider the evidence for Jesus and you may walk away from that and say, I still don't believe in him. If so, at least you've, at least you've considered it. And that may be where you go with it. But maybe you will see Things about Jesus that draw you to him. I, I'm biased, of course. But I don't think it's only bias. 
I believe that the Jesus we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is incredible. I believe it is awesome. I believe it is, uh, it is so, when we, when we kind of cut through the noise and the distractions and we get to the Jesus that is presented, the Jesus that is, it is a, it is a pretty neat thing. And it, it's, I've, I've heard this from so many people over the years, you know, that Jesus is what won them to Christianity because they actually came face to face with who he is. So I think we ought to do that. If you're not a believer, you know, I'm, we're, we're glad you're here, glad you're tuning in, but, uh, you know, make a decision about him. Make a decision about him based on what we read about from, from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to study Mark this morning. Mark's very, we're not really going to look at Matthew, Luke, or John. We're going to study Mark for a couple of reasons. One, uh, some of us are reading through Mark right now because it's part of our annual Bible reading, but that's not the only reason. Another reason is most people think Mark is the earliest gospel written. Mark was the first one. I know he's not first in the New Testament, but most likely Mark wrote first. So he's the earliest account of the life of Jesus. And so when we look at Mark, it's briefer. He's to the point. If, you, if you're reading through Mark this week, last couple of days and this week, notice how many times he uses the word immediately. I mean, Mark is just going, 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 immediately, boom. He just goes from one thing to the next. So Mark is a fast-paced gospel. He gets to the core of what he wants to accomplish, and he starts with the very first verse. You know, he's got one point here, okay, and this is the point. This is the point of Matthew, Luke, and John too, but Mark's maybe a little bit clearer about it. He, I mean, he's just got one thing he wants to accomplish, and really that's, this is the thing we want to accomplish here at this church. This is what I want to accomplish in my ministry, is I want to help more people to come to the conviction with a heart of hearts with everything that they are, that the first verse of Mark chapter 1, the first verse of a gospel that was ever written is true. I want you to believe it. I don't want you just to come to sit in a church pew and say, hey, I'm on a church roll at Hoover Church of Christ, so that makes me a Christian. That's, 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 not, that's not it. We want you to come to the conviction in your own heart that Mark 1 verse 1 is true. And that what Mark writes here when he says, the beginning of the gospel, the good news, I, I, Mark, Mark just starts off. He doesn't waste words. That's why Mark's only got 16 chapters, you know. He's the shortest of them all. He doesn't waste any words. He just gets to the point. Look, he says, folks, I'm writing to you about some good news. And the good news is that I'm going to tell you about Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. And then he just dives in. And you just read the gospel of Mark, and he just goes from place to place and he wants to accomplish this, and he puts, well, we're going to do it. Let's, let's just walk through this pretty quickly. I'm going to throw up a lot of verses here, going to move through them pretty quickly. Uh, these are not on the back of the bulletin. You might take some notes here if you're interested in going back and kind of diving into some of these stories. But Mark just goes from one to the next, and he starts out right here in chapter 1 after his declaration that he's writing about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he tells us the story about the baptism of Jesus and the voice speaking from heaven. So he starts... At the top, you might say, right? Now, he's going he's gonna to give this same confession on the lips of a lot, a lot of different people in the, in the Gospel of Mark, but he starts with his own declaration in verse 1, and then he immediately goes to the baptism of Jesus, and he says, this is what the Creator of all says about Jesus. You are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. So he starts at the top with his declaration of the identity of Jesus. And then you might say 
He kind of goes to the other extreme. He starts with heaven and he goes to hell, so to speak. Because he takes this unclean spirit, this demonic being in the person that Jesus has healed. And, and the person proclaims this unspirit, this unclean spirit says, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. So at the first part of chapter 1, God says it. At the end of chapter 1, the demon says it. Mark wants us to see that, man, there are people all over, there are beings all over the spectrum here who cannot deny the evidence that this person standing in front of them is the Holy One of God. He is something special. Now, not everybody's going to say that. Mark's very clear about this. I'm going to show you a couple of examples. Mark, Mark gives us examples of people who see Jesus and because of their selfishness or because of something going on in their hearts, they don't come to that conclusion. And so he doesn't act as if it is unanimous. In Mark chapter 3, again, another example of the unclean spirits. They saw him, they fell down before him, and they cried out, You are the Son of God. You, got, you go over one more chapter to chapter 4, and really this is a question here. In chapter 4, this comes from the mouth of the disciples when Jesus had calmed the storm. They were on the Sea of Galilee and there's a storm and Jesus speaks to the storm and it stops, you know, that story. And the disciples, again, what does Mark want to do? He wants us to ask this question. Who is this man? Who is he? Who is this person? Because there's something special about him. The disciples are on this journey of faith. They believe, but they don't always believe. They believe sort of, but they don't always believe fully. And so they see this great miraculous manifestation and they say, who in the world is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Something about this man leads you to make some sort of conclusion about him. And that's why I think with people who aren't Christians, people who aren't believers, that you need to come face to face with Jesus and make some sort of decision about him. See, it's not enough to say, I just don't know about Jesus. You know, I've just seen some things in Christianity I don't like. I, I heard stuff on the news about these folks. You know, I had an uncle, a crazy uncle who claimed to be a Christian. He was a hypocrite. You know, I just don't, I just don't. no, no, no. Come face to face with Jesus. Make a decision about who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him. Read and see if you don't resonate with the teachings of this man Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. I think I skipped one. Mark 5. You remember this story. Mark 5 and verse 7. This is when Jesus went to the region of Gennesaret and he came in contact with this man who was in the cave and he hurt himself and hurt other people. You know, they chained him. But he kept breaking the chains and he came out and Jesus met him there. This kind of this personification of evil. This was a violent man. This was a man filled with legion. These legion of demons. I mean, this is like, this is really the personification of all that's bad. And Jesus... Legion, this demonic beings, these demonic beings spoke out of this man and said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? You see what Mark is doing? You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, Mark 1. The unclean spirit, the unclean spirit, the disciples, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And then he goes back to Legion in Mark 5 and he says, even Legion, the personification of evil, can see the evidence here and see that Jesus Christ, this man who is standing before him, is the Son of the Most High God. 
But then there are people who don't see it. Mark doesn't act as if everybody comes to the same conclusion. In Mark 6, you've got Jesus when he is back in his hometown of Nazareth. And there are people there, and they see him. They see Jesus, and they, see, they just see a man. They just see a human being. Uh, hey, this is, um, isn't this Joseph's boy? We know, we know your dad. We know your mom. We know your, we know your brothers. It's, it's, they took offense in him. So some people saw Jesus and somehow were able to look past the miracles and look past the amazing things that he did. And they, and they saw something that even the unclean spirits denied. They merely saw his humanity. But you see what Mark is doing? He's taking us on this journey through the life of Jesus. And he is saying that Jesus met these people and the people made some sort of decision about him. They weren't ambivalent about him. It's going to culminate, of course, in his crucifixion from those who disbelieve in him so strongly that they kill him. Later on in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, after the, this is, this is after Jesus, remember, miraculously fed the, the crowd with the loaves and the fish. And this is Jesus speaking to the disciples after he walked, he's walked to them on the water. They're in the boat and the waves are high and they see Jesus walking. They're afraid, you know, and Jesus speaks to them. Again, his, his goal, <clears throat> in so many ways, the goal of, of, of Mark's gospel is to show us that Jesus wants his people to make a decision about him. And so Jesus comes to the disciples, walking to them on the water. They're afraid. They think it's a ghost. And he says to them, take, take heart. Don't, don't be afraid. It is I. I am. Don't, don't be afraid. Because they didn't understand about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. You see different responses to Jesus. This is the disciples. They earlier had said, who is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? And now their hearts are hardened. They're, they're, not, they're not putting it all together. They're, they're struggling. And by the way, it's okay to struggle. And you may think, man, I, I want to believe in Jesus, but I've just, I saw some stuff on, on the Discovery Channel. I'm, I'm struggling with that. And I read this article in, uh, online, and it's made me, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to struggle. But keep, keep walking. Keep taking the journey. Keep listening to the evidence. Keep reading the Gospel of Mark, keep reading the Gospels, read the Bible, and, and keep walking along. Our hearts, we, we have problems with our hearts. Man, we all do. We've, sometimes we get overwhelmed with doubt. Sometimes we, we're confused and just don't quit on this journey. See, if you're not a person of faith, don't just become settled in your opposition to Jesus. Keep your eyes open, keep your heart open. And keep walking along because you don't know what God might do over time. Mark 9 and verse 7, this is, after the, this is at the transfiguration. Remember where we started in Mark 1 at the baptism of Jesus. God spoke and said, you are my beloved son. I am well pleased with you. In Mark 9, we have the transfiguration where Jesus is transfigured along with, Peter, uh, along with Moses and Elijah in the presence of Peter and James and John. Remember that. And God spoke out of, out of heaven. And this is what Peter had said. Hey, let's build three tents. One for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And God said, this is my beloved son. Make a decision about him. Listen to 
him. They come down off the mountain of transfiguration and they encounter this little boy. He's got an unclean spirit. And the father comes to Jesus. I love this statement. Maybe this is descriptive of your faith journey at this particular moment. Maybe you aren't to the point of, I don't believe it all, but maybe, maybe you're not right over here just, man, I believe with every fiber of my being all the time. I don't ever have any doubts. Maybe this is where you are right now. Maybe, you're, maybe this articulates your own, your own spot on the journey right now. I believe. But help my unbelief. That's what the father of this boy said. I believe. But help my unbelief. You ever prayed that prayer? I've prayed it. I think many Christians have prayed it. I believe, Lord, I believe. But help me to believe. You know, that's what, he, that's, that's what his prayer was. But he's, he's coming face to face with Jesus. And even in the presence of Jesus, he says, I believe. I've seen what you just did. You know, I, I've, seen, I've seen evidence. <clears throat> but Lord, help me take that next step on this journey of faith. I've experienced some things that I can't reconcile with the idea of a loving God. I've, I've seen suffering. I've experienced suffering. I've seen Christians do bad things. And Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Make a decision about Jesus. But sometimes that decision, it takes time. You know, it's a lifetime of walking and growing and learning. A couple of chapters later, some of the enemies of Jesus scribes and the Pharisees, some of the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they look at Jesus, they had seen the miracles, they had seen undeniable miracles. In fact, there were many miracles. They didn't even say, well, it didn't happen. They didn't say that. It happened, but how are we going to get rid of him? That was kind of their response. So they came to Jesus, and their response to Jesus was, what, what authority? Who are you? What gives you the right to do these things and to say these things? By what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority to do these things? You see, they're coming face to face with Jesus and they're making a decision about Him. This is near the end of Jesus' life, Mark 14. We're now on that Thursday night, or that week, that last week of Jesus' life. The chief priests and the scribes are seeking how to arrest Him by stealth and kill Him. You see, they've come in their journey they have kind of crossed that threshold. And not only do they disbelieve in Jesus, but they disbelieve in who he is so strongly that they want to oppose everything that he's doing. And so they're seeking to kill him. That's in Mark 14. At the trial of Jesus, this is a high priest before whom Jesus appears on that Thursday night into the wee hours of Friday morning. The high priest says, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? But do you see what Mark is doing? You see, he's doing this for us. He's telling these stories. God says, you're my beloved son. The unclean spirits say, this is the son of God. Legion says, you are the son of the most high God. But then there were some people who doubted. And then there were some people who denied him. There were some people who disbelieved in him. The high priest, the, the highest ruler in the religious in, in, the, in the religion of Jesus' day, the, the highest ruler said, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? I don't know that he really wanted to know the answer to that. But Mark tells us that he asked the question. Even Peter himself, that same night, that Thursday night, before Jesus was crucified on Friday, even after he had been warned by Jesus that this was going to happen three times, he said something very similar to that statement right there. 
I don't know him. Peter, I don't, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> who is he? He's a stranger to me. This is Peter, who not many days after this is going to stand up and say, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. So this isn't where Peter's going to stay, but this is where he is on Thursday night. This is the same Peter who'd walked on water with Jesus a few weeks before, right? The same Peter. But on Thursday night, in the face of opposition, there's fear that comes into his heart. And he, at that moment, says, I don't know who Jesus is. See, Mark wants, us to, give, wants to give us all these different angles from God, from the demons, the unclean spirits, from the religious authorities, from the disciples themselves, from, from family members, from people who knew him in Nazareth, all these vantage points looking at Jesus, but they're making a decision about who he is. This is near the end. This is Jesus' death. And it's fascinating, isn't it? The confession at the crucifixion, the confession of the identity of Jesus comes from the mouth of a pagan, a centurion, a Roman, hard man, a calloused leader of soldiers who had probably seen and experienced and known violence in his life as a centurion. Mark wants us to know that when you see Jesus on the cross, it can break through the most calloused of hearts if that heart, if that heart is open. See, that centurion saw what happened at the crucifixion of Jesus and he said, this, truly this man was the Son of God. What are you going to do with Jesus? There's one more before we go to Mark 8. We'll just hang out for a minute or two. I promise not long in Mark 8. There's one more. Mark's gospel kind of ends on a, an interesting note near the end of Mark's gospel. Verse 8. This is interesting, isn't it? These disciples, they had seen the resurrected Lord, and, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And I, and I think Mark, he, he kind of has this note at the end of his gospel, and because he, want, he, wants, he wants to challenge disciples of Jesus, that there are going to be moments where we, like Peter, though we believe we are afraid, we, we believe but we want to believe more, we're, we believe but we're afraid to say anything. Where we believe on some level, but we're afraid to let that belief truly take over because we're scared about where, where that might go. Oh, the world might think I'm a fanatic. They might think I'm a fundamentalist. They might, they might make fun of my faith. They might lump me in with those crazies. So they believed, but they were afraid. Now, two minutes in Mark 8. This, I believe, is the whole point of Mark's gospel. Mark positions it right at the center of all these other things we've been talking about. Started in Mark 1, ended in Mark 16. You are my beloved son. I am pleased with you, Mark 1. In Mark 15, the centurion says, truly this man was the son of God. But then the disciples, it kind of ends on this note of, like, a, like kind of leaves us hanging there at the end. They were afraid. Right in the middle of this, Jesus takes the disciples, he takes his core group, and he says, what are they saying about me? And they say, well, you know, people are saying this or that. 
But this is the question he asked you and me today. <clears throat> Same question he asked them. So let's talk to the church for a minute. <clears throat> talk some to people who don't believe. Let's talk to the church. Who do you believe Jesus to be? I think it's a pretty good question to ask. You, you may think, well, I'm here. Of course I believe. <clears throat> I've been baptized. Of course I believe. I come to church every week. Of course I believe. Whatever. But I think this is a question we need to ask ourselves often because you know. I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. It's, it's one thing to come to church. It's one thing to get baptized. It's one thing to call yourself a Christian and all that. It's another thing to, to live this out. See, Mark shows us at the end of this that they believed, but they were afraid. And, and it kind of leaves us hanging there. Now what we know, based on what other Gospels tell us and what we learn from the book of Acts, that many of these disciples went on, and they were not dominated by their fear. They went out and told everybody they knew about him. But, but let's get back to us. Who do you say that he is? You said when you were baptized, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that's a wonderful confession to make. But I think God is particularly interested in what we say about him and the way we live, you know? way Christians live? What do we say with our attitudes on social media? What do we, what do we, what do we say with, our, with, our, with, with the words that we use in, in, in conversation with people at work or school? What, what, do we, what do we do in those moments when nobody at church is going to know? What, how, how do we act? What, what are our, 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 our sexual ethics like when nobody knows? What are we doing when we look at our computers and when we surf on our phones and what are our hopes and dreams? What devastates us? How have we responded over the past 10, 11, 12 months when we've been tested in different ways as Christians? In a year of turmoil in so many ways with pandemic and civil strife and political division. and What's come out of us? What's come out of us? Have we been followers of Jesus. See, it's one thing to say, hey, I believe in Jesus. I go to church. It's another thing for the love and the peace and the kindness and the attitude of Jesus to come boiling up out of us when we're tested. One of the things that we've got to ask ourselves, and especially, as we've said this many times, you know, <clears throat> I don't want to be a broken record, but, <clears throat> but man, this is, I believe, what God wants to teach us. Is one of the things, certainly, what God wants to teach us with this experience that we've been in and are in, is that you learn something about your faith when it's tested, you know? You learn something more. When, when times are good, we're not being stressed and not being tempted and all that, that's, that's one thing to have faith at those times. But what do we learn about ourselves when we are surrounded by people whose God seems to be something else? Who do you say that He is? Who do you say that He is? That's the question of the hour. That's the question. That's the question of eternity, really, isn't it? And so let me circle back to the students I've taught who don't have much of an experience with Jesus. Is to, is to ask them, look, whatever you've heard, whatever you've seen, whatever. But make a decision, some sort of decision. It's not tied to your grade in the class, you know. But this matters. Because Jesus is such an important figure in history. You owe him at least the effort it takes to consider the claims he made and say, I believe or I don't. And if you don't, 
Why don't you? I think we ought to do that as Christians as well. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? It changes everything. If you're not a Christian today, we've talked a lot about this, but I would urge you, we would urge you, put your faith in Him. Put your faith in Him. If you're not ready to do that yet, keep asking questions. Let us talk to you about the one whose name we wear and whose name we confess. We'd love to do that. But if you're ready to put your faith in Him, you believe you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all your doubts completely removed. But if you want to trust in Jesus and say, Lord, I don't, I don't know everything, but I know this. I want you to do in me whatever it is you have planned to do. I want to be yours. And we invite you to submit to Him in baptism today. Let's stand and sing. If you need to respond, I hope you'll come now.